Get ready, it's time for Motorsports Madness, powered by the staff at Race Chaser Online. Your motorsports, your way, every day. And now, here's your host, Jacob Seelman. Good evening, race fans, and welcome to another two hours of fast-paced, energetic, and, well, kind of crazy motorsports conversation here on the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports. It is Motorsports Madness. My name is Jacob Seelman, the managing editor at RaceChaserOnline.com. And tonight, I'm the ringleader of a bunch of crazy people. Oh, wait, that's every Monday. Actually, it'd probably be more appropriate to say a bunch of sick people. Well, (laughs) this is true. You and I are sick. We have Joe's out with back injury. James is getting over being sick, and Cisco's the only well one, and he needs to send some of his wellness to the rest of us out of the Midwest. Because, you know, that's just the way this works. We're going to do the best we can tonight. Well, our best is usually pretty decent, so I think we'll be okay. Let's talk racing, shall we? Let's. All right, kids. We had a playoff doubleheader in Kansas, Toto, and what we ended up with at the end of Sunday's Hollywood Casino 400 was a few people rolling the dice because the race was sponsored by a casino, and the playoff field, James Pike, I'll come to you first on this one, and then we will... uh, get the rest of this in Cisco Scaramuza also joining us via the race chaser Skype line but James I'll let you cue off we cut four drivers from the playoff field only one of them <clears throat> Kyle Larson was a surprise but it was kind of like Truex in last year's playoffs engine go kaboom you know advance which is a shame because I think he really would have done something and probably still will do something at Homestead because his homestead numbers are insane. But unless we see somebody in homestead come up with something that we have not seen before, this, to me, with the way everything played out this weekend, becomes Truex versus Bush for the title. Because I just don't know if anybody else is going to be able to run that quick. Unless Jimmy somehow sneaks in there, and I guess he's in that bunch too. But... I, I I can't see any of Kislowski, Harvick, Hamlin, Blaney offering a threat at Homestead, and at least two of those four are going to get eliminated in the round of eight. That's fair enough. Now, Tom, I will come to you for a minute, because in the midst of Kyle Larson shockingly going kaboom, Matt Kenseth entered the day below the cut line and, well, stayed below the the cut cut line, line. though it wasn't for a lack of trying. He was running well, and at times it looked like was going to bump out Jimmy Johnson until somebody forgot how to count, and seven killer bees went over the wall, and that ended in not only NASCAR parking the 20 after a crash that almost saw Eric Jones flip on the backstretch at Kansas. When's the last time you said that? Period. Uh, But this, to me, was just, I don't know. A, it shouldn't have happened. B, I'm with Jason Ratcliffe on this one. I sent six people over the wall, and you saw it on the video. The seventh guy hesitated, went back to the wall, and then went back to the car and started working anyways. But the way the rule is written, Tom, the minute his feet hit the ground, it was already over. Well, the problem that we've got here, I believe, is, and I'm not saying this is a negative to NASCAR, just an observation. 
too many different situational rules. On the one hand, you have a car that leaves the pit box almost. They tighten the lug nuts. It's fine. The next hand, you have a car that changes it one tire with the car from the front end over the box, pushes the car back. They get penalized. You have all these different pit situations that happen. But, you know, and I think sometimes it just gets too confusing for these people to remember. In this case, however, you sh- again, you should be able to count six guys. You know, if you see a seventh guy going somewhere, somebody's got to tell that guy to go back. I mean, you know, so that was a costly mistake. Um, I'm not sure why he got parked. I mean, I would have thought that simply a stop and go or a one lap penalty or something along those lines would have been, I just, I think NASCAR needs to take a look at the various pit infractions and try and somehow make them more even and enforce them more evenly instead of letting some guys go with certain situations and well, he lost spots. So that was good enough. And then others, you know, a lap down or they get parked for this. It, it, it's, and it's hard for the fans to follow, too, Jacob. Well, let me explain this and explain why he absolutely should have been parked. Here's the deal. It's not that having too many men over the wall is an automatic DQ. It's having too many men over the wall when you are on the five-minute See, but clock. that's the problem. Why should it matter if you're on the five-minute clock here, or not? Here's the deal. It should matter because NASCAR wants... It's about not having an advantage in repairing your vehicle. NASCAR doesn't want you to have any additional people repairing the vehicle than what you would have on a normal pit stop. You're only permitted six men servicing the car on a normal pit stop. Therefore, you're only permitted six men over the uh, servicing the car to repair well, it. Fair enough, but why? Why wouldn't the consequence? be the same one way or another. Because here's the deal. If you don't repair within the five-minute clock, you're parked at that point. Therefore, if you're abusing the system to try and repair your car, you should be parked. All right. Now, that makes a little more sense. But but that's that's not ever been explained that way. That's the first time I've heard it explained that way. That makes a little more sense. But But it's not the first time, Cisco, that somebody has been parked this season for too many men over the wall on the damaged vehicle policy. So the fact that it's Matt Kenseth and it eliminated uh, him from playoff contention I know is why it's making this a bigger deal than what it ever was before. That makes sense, but this is not the first time this season it's happened, and it's consistency, which, hallelujah, at least we have that much. And this is a case where, you know, for the 20, it's so painful, and I think Matt Kenseth's just getting sick of things happening at Kansas because he (laughs) just can't seem to leave this track without something happening to him. So I, I... it's yeah, it's consistency. And yes, I absolutely agree that that's something that needs to happen more in NASCAR. And it's something that they've gotten called out for before. But it feels like we're watching the NFL when they have too many players on the field. It's like on the ice, but they don't throw the team out for that. So, yeah, it's like, I just... you know, that's our closest thing. But, Tom, you don't you don't see it that way. Well, I mean, I guess I'm just having a hard time because more and more we're seeing various pit situations and some teams 
seem to get away with things and then things happen to other teams and they don't get away with them. And I, this is supposed to be a sport that fans can follow easily. And we've, we've just gotten the, with the, with the computer and, and the cameras in every pit and all of that. We've gotten this to the point where we've micromanaged it, I think, past the point of fans being able to follow it and enjoy it. It's all about penalizing people for everything now. It's one of those situations where I feel like they've kind of sucked the life out of it. And, you know, when you when you get parked because you got a bozo in your in your pit that, you know, doesn't know enough to get back behind the wall, though, again, you know, the crew chief has to speak up at some point and go, yo, you get over here, you know. But see, NASCAR, if he'd have went back, should have let that go. Well, if he went back over the wall, I would have hoped NASCAR would have said, okay, but when he touched the car, then I understand. It's just tough. I just feel like we're seeing too much. The pit situation in general is interfering too much with the racing. And I think NASCAR has gone beyond where they need to with micromanaging every little second of everybody's time there. Well, here's the deal. The drivers asked NASCAR to be more strict about penalties and infractions on pit road because they didn't want anyone getting a competitive advantage out of it. Therefore, we have the pro system. NASCAR has let some people go with some things that they really shouldn't have, in my opinion. If you're going to be strict... Be strict 100% down the line. Not that this is on pit road, but oh, you mean like the four car on the first restart of the day? Exactly. Yeah. There's a a perfect situation. You penalize one guy and then you don't penalize the guy behind him. And NASCAR's mentality is, well, the front row is supposed to set the line. Well, but the guy behind him is supposed to know enough not to to commit the same crime too. I, I don't know. I just... It just feels to me like NASCAR is is not totally consistent with their rules. And I think part of it's because there's so many rules that sometimes you just miss. You get so busy looking for, I feel like they look for ways to penalize people. And, and that just shouldn't be how this is, in my opinion. I don't think they were looking for a reason to penalize anybody on Sunday, but I think there were blatant penalties that should have yeah. been addressed. Well, and for the most part, yeah, they were. I don't know. You know, right. And and that's the thing. If you're going to call something, call it consistently all the way down the line. Don't call it for one and not for the other. And, you know, again, NASCAR has got a tough job because these teams do everything they can to get an advantage. And you got you do have to watch them. But I just think we've gotten to a point where, you know, the on the track stuff like that deal with with Harvick and Truex was just ridiculous and in the in the pit situations like i said just too much micromanagement of the pit deal and if you're gonna let somebody get away with one thing then you know i don't know i just think you you get yourself into a box and then people think you're playing favorites and there's you know it's hard to refute that sometimes with some of the the things they let go but then they call the next thing on the next guy and it's whatever so Tough deal, but it was, I mean, look, 
I don't want I we shouldn't get caught talking about this all night. The fact of the matter is there are a lot of other interesting storylines in the race. Yes. Oh, by the way, Martin Truex won yes. on Sunday, and we'll yes. get to that in a couple of minutes here. But we need to step away, do some business, have a break. And when we come back, he's Tom Baker. I'm Jacob Seelman, Cisco Scaramuza, James Pike going to be back at the roundtable as well. And we'll talk about Martin Truex, the emotion of winning and a 50% win ratio of his career wins this season, among other fun little statistical nuggets. Right now, though, you're listening to Motorsports Madness, and we will be back with a whole lot more right around the turn here on the Performance Motorsports Network. You own a performance car, and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their car, including front and rear skid control and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444. Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Green light. Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! (gasps) It's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text. Stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Here's an important message from Rad and this station. Hi, this is Bob Sheehan from Blues Traveler for Rad, recording artists against drunk driving. I like to party just as much as the next guy, maybe even more. But the one thing I won't do after I've had a few is get in the car and drive. Don't blow it. Always choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives and so should you. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. Hi, this is Austin Terrio, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. 
just for the record, tell me that doesn't fit a soft-spoken kid from Maine who drives the wheels off a race car, which, by the way, lets me say congratulations to Austin Terrio and Ken Schrader Racing on winning the ARCA Championship Friday night at Kansas Speedway. We'll have a whole lot more about that on the Stock Car Show here on the Performance Motorsports Network later this week. Right now, though, I'm Jacob Seelman. Next to me at the round table is Tom Baker. James Pike and Cisco Scaramuza are joining us via the Race Chaser Skype line, and you are listening to Motorsports Madness here on PMN. We're talking racing, and we got so tied up talking about playoffs and eliminations and pit penalties during segment one, it took all the way till 11 minutes in to even go, oh, hey, by the way, Martin Truex won the race, but heck, Martin Truex came from behind and... Yet again, in the face of so much adversity that he and the Furniture Row Racing team have faced all season long, found a way to win when that team needed it most. Yeah, I mean, what a, this is what's called a dream season. When you can virtually do no wrong. I mean, this team, at every turn, when it's needed to win they won mm -hmm. when they didn't need a win they've won anyway <laughs> yeah, i mean exactly you know, they really <laughs> didn't need the win the other but they day got yesterday it. but they got it i mean and you know what it was a comeback too after, it was you know his it absolutely was. um <clears throat> so it was a it was a big win and an emotional win yep. as most of them have been this year for that team it's yeah kind of uh it's amazing to think about isn't it uh look down the line here and this, James, is what I call turning tears into cheers. The Kentucky win that Truex had came a couple of days after his girlfriend, Sherry Pollux, was told her cancer had come back. The win at Watkins Glen came not long after crew chief Cole Pern had lost one of his childhood friends tragically. The win at Charlotte, though this wasn't necessarily as big on a people spectrum, Cole Pern said over the weekend that win came after he and his wife had put down their longtime furry friend of 13 years back in Canada. And this win on Sunday at Kansas coming less than 24 hours after one of the road crew fabricators for Furniture Row on the 77 team, Big Jim Watson, passed away tragically at a go-kart event Saturday night in Kansas City from a heart attack at just 55. I mean, you look at each of these, and I will be hard-pressed to find anyone who says that Martin Truex and Furniture Row haven't been meant to win when they've needed to win, but, I mean, gosh, this season, you talk about turning heartache into triumph, and they've just done it every single time they've needed to. And not that's, like, that's necessarily a bad thing, but I sure hope that means that they don't have to have someone die in order to win a race or something like that, because they've got so much speed and so much power, and they're so good. Um, and I just don't, <laughs> I mean, <not> a <laughs> got all choked up about it, didn't you? Yeah, yeah really, yeah, I'm all choked up about it. But no, no, not not to make light of the situation, though I, I think on a serious level, I'd, I'd rather not it be a case where something bad has to happen to someone in order for them to win. 
But I don't necessarily think it has to be because they've had so much speed over the course of this year. They have. And I think I think the only question, like really the only question now for me is what can they do at Homestead? Mm-hmm. Uh, because this they're they're so fast right now that as long as nothing crazy happens, they're one of the four. They're absolutely one of the four and probably would have been one of the four last year had it not been for the motor at Talladega. So maybe Larson can look ahead to 18 and say that's our year. But I think a lot of those people on that furniture racing team have been looking forward to this moment ever since the motor blew. Now they've got their chance. And they've been waiting for a year and trying to show everybody that they can get it done. You tell me they're not motivated? They're They're motivated. They're quite motivated. Now, before I even get into the advantage that Martin Truex has going into this coming weekend, James talks about motivation. We talked about why they had it going into this weekend. Before I have Hunter Yancey hit the button and us hear from Martin Truex, I want to add that all of us at Race Chaser Online on the Performance Motorsports Network, our thoughts and prayers certainly continue to be with the Furniture Row family and the family of Jim Watson, uh, who passed away, like we said, over the weekend with the team. Uh, Cole Pern actually was at the hospital Saturday night prior to the race. The team banded together. Martin Truex delivered, and after the race had this to say regarding the emotional victory at Kansas. I know this has been a roller coaster 24 hours for the team, Martin, but let's focus on the, the positives. Today, you won for the seventh time this season. You uh, led more than 2,000 laps in this season. You became the first driver to win four consecutive races on mile-and-a-half tracks. Big day for this 78 team. How wild and wonderful is this season becoming for you? Uh, it's, just, it's still unbelievable. <laughs> I just got to pinch myself, you know, one of some of these days. Just, uh, it's just unreal. Um, really proud of my team. Really proud of everybody. And just a dream come true to drive for them and, and, and just do what we've done all season long. So today was a, a challenge for sure with all the obstacles we faced and uh, all the adversity we had to deal with. But, uh, you know, we just kept our heads down and kept fighting and, you know, found ourselves in the lead late and, uh, and took advantage of it. So, Happy for everybody, uh, all my guys. I know it was um, it was a tough day for them, you know, losing one of their one of their teammates last night, and uh, you know, for all of us, just coming together and talking about, hey, let's go win this one for Jim, and uh, we did it. So feels good, and uh, really proud of everybody just for just for getting through it and having each other's backs and holding each other up and um, and getting out there and, and getting the job done. Okay, we're gonna open the floor for questions. We'll start with uh, Brendan, and then go to Bob, and then to Sean. You said in Victory Lane that you got a text from Cole late last night. What was last night actually like for you? Did you get any sleep? I mean, what what all went down from your point of view? Yeah, I mean, Cole called, uh, texted me at like eleven fifteen or something and said, um, you know, I'm at the hospital. Jim just had a heart attack and they lost him. He couldn't. They couldn't re- get him going. So I was like, oh my god, it's awful. What? Is there anything I can do? He's like, no, we're just, we're all here. There's nothing we can do. We just want it to be here to be here. And so, um, I, I thought about those, those guys a lot, obviously, last night, you know, and, uh, you know, I don't, I don't go to bed too early anyway. So I had a little bit of time to, to think about it and just, um, you know, just a shame, you know, to, to see, uh, 55 years old to have that. You know, he's got family at home and hard to, it's definitely hard to deal with that. But, um, you know, it, it's part of life, unfortunately, and, and we uh, 
we got to move on. And today, the best we could do was win for him in his honor and just celebrate his life and what he meant to us and uh, the job he did for us. He certainly did a lot for both the 78 and 77 teams. Cole Pern saying, Tom, that uh, Jim was one who kind of worked back and forth between both teams when needed. And you always hate to have a circumstance like this happen, especially during a race weekend. But, my gosh, I think what got to me was after the checkered flag when NBC cut to the pit box on the 78 team and – you know, the crew from the 77 was already coming down there. Cole was up on the box holding back at that point, tears before they finally came. And uh, both Cole and Chris Gale, the crew chief for the 77, were in victory lane together on Sunday, as I think uh, under the circumstance it probably needed to be. That team as was as one all day on Sunday. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, there's there's just not the words to express the emotions that you feel. And, you know, obviously there's never a good time. Um, and on a race weekend, the hard part is you have to find a way to do your job. You have to be able to compartmentalize and sort of put it aside long enough to do the job. And to come out of that race with a win, I mean there is no better there is no better tribute and there is nothing more that need be said you know he he went out a winner and yeah. that's really the way i am going to remember that one mm -hmm. is you know he went out a winner and there's nothing more i think that you need to even say no now martin truex has 69 playoff points we go into a playoff reset and he has is it 69 or 690 <laughs> I, it feels like 690 sure the way does. they've been this season. I'll say that much. Uh, Kyle Busch jumps from the bottom of the heat back to second seed, albeit some uh, 25 points or so behind Truex. I guess uh, actually it's 27 points because he's got 4,042 going into this weekend and a uh, 25-point buffer over that cut line, which is tied right now between Kevin Harvick and Jimmy Johnson. But seven wins, that's half of his career wins this season, Cisco, for Martin Truex. Uh, he becomes the all-time winning driver in a single season on mile-and-a-half tracks with six, and he becomes the first driver ever to win four mile-and-a-half races in a row. I know for a while it was mile-and-a-half Matt, referencing Matt Crafton in the truck series. I can't think of anything catchy for, well, mile I guess mile-and-a-half mile Martin. Martin. There we go. Of course, as soon as I say I can't think of something catchy, then something catchy pops into my head. But he's the new king. I know that much. Yeah, and I was I was talking briefly as we went to break that uh, it feels like we're watching someone play a video game. Like in like start player one, select driver number seventy eight because that's like numbers that you would see someone playing out of like an EA Sports game. Like that's how many wins this is. It's un it's incredible just the amount of dominance that that seventy eight has. And I mean, like you said, he broke the record. He's the all time leader now. That's huge. I think that the number of wins, we've certainly seen seasons where teams have won more races in a season than this. Yeah. But the way that that car has been up front consistently at almost every track all year long, 
it's amazing, really. Yeah. And, you know, we didn't really talk much about the fact that Kyle Larson, one of the few drivers who could actually keep up with Truex on the track, is now gone yeah. from the playoffs. I mean, and again, this is what's this is what NASCAR created this for. You you've now got the the you've now got a situation where one race. I mean, and that's it's sad for that team because they worked yeah. so hard. But you know, I I feel like the, the eight that we've got left. I I feel like most of them really have an outside shot. I mean, you know, you'd think at least probably five to six of those eight could be final four candidates. Exactly. And with that, we are going to step aside and we will talk more about uh, the playoffs coming up later in the show. Right now, though, we are going to take a break. And on the other side, we're going to talk about a little bit of breaking news that came out late this afternoon and be joined by the inhabitant of that news, Kyle Weatherman, coming up here, returns to Motorsports Madness to talk Cup Series racing? Absolutely. Right after this, you're listening to PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. Do you love the sound of high-revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skills levels new to intermediate to get sideways and smoking with a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively summit point motorsports parks drift nirvana is just the thing for you call for your reservation today 304-725-8444 or for more information go online summitpoint-raceway.com or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com drift nirvana getting you sideways the right way HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Camping World Truck teams, many IndyCar and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America, featuring world-renowned brands like Stilo Helmets, Schroep Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, HJC Helmets, Orca Driver Gear, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits. HMS representatives are experts in their field and focused on only one thing, making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the staff at HMS is always ready to take the time and help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop into HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you. What an awesome game. What's up with your car? I don't know. It won't start. How are we getting home? Chill. My parents signed me up for the roadside assistance from Lewis Meineke. It was free with my oil change. They'd come and get the car started or get us home and tow the car to the shop. Good to know. With my driving, my parents never know what to expect. When you join the Meineke Car Care Club with a $35 preferred service, you get four free months of roadside assistance, including tire change, battery jump, lockout service, towing, and more. Contact Lewis Meineke, located on Route 1, or call 827-2054. When do you think of a plumber? 
like most people. Even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, is a lung disease that robs people of their ability to breathe. As many as 24 million Americans suffer from COPD, also known as chronic bronchitis or emphysema, and half of them don't know they have the disease. If you or someone you love is over 35 and has smoked more than 100 cigarettes in their lifetime, visit driveforcopd.org and take the screener, then take that to your doctor. I'm Jeff Stoltz, and I drive for COPD. I'm Dalton Sargent, and you're listening to Race Talk on Performance Motorsports Network. Well, welcome back. Jacob Seelman, myself, by the way. Cisco Scaramuza and James Pike as this edition of Motorsports Madness rolls on. And talking a little bit of breaking news, Tom, things that uh, you kind of smile at because it's guys who... We really felt like, and this one in particular, deserved a shot at the next level and hadn't really gotten it yet. But the announcement coming down today that Kyle Weatherman, who has won before in the ARCA Series, ran some races for Mason Mitchell Motorsports this year, going to get a shot in a cup car, not only this weekend at Martinsville, but in a couple of weeks at Phoenix, driving the 51 for Rick Ware. And one of those, like I said, where you just sit back and smile and go, hey, somebody that has been really good and finally gets a shot to show what he can do on a bigger on a bigger stage. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, we've seen Kyle's skill set. We know that he's capable of running a stock car to the front of a field. Now, a little different, obviously, making a debut in the Cup Series. And, you know, he's definitely... I think the goal for him this weekend in Martinsville is to run all the laps and just learn, you know, but what a great opportunity for a really, really talented and personable young driver getting an oppor- getting this chance to, to go cup racing. Well, we can say all we want what we think the goal should be, but the only way to know what the goal really is is to ask the driver himself, which I will do by saying, first off, Kyle Weatherman, glad to have you back on the program, buddy, and second off, what is the goal for this weekend at Martinsville? Yes, sir. Actually, it's, uh, it's unfortunate I haven't been on here uh, too often, but I'm glad to be back on here, and obviously it's uh, the biggest news of my life, so definitely... Definitely glad to share this with everybody. And uh, to answer your question, my goal is to complete 500 laps. Uh, and that's what go. we're going there to do. And that's what we're going to do. So um, that's uh, that's definitely the main goal. And, and I'll learn every single lap. So uh, that's, uh, like I said, that's definitely the, the goal is to complete 500 laps and be there at the end with all four fenders on it. Talk a little bit because it's been, I guess, a little quiet for you lately, but not always a bad thing. I would guess that this has kind of been in the works. Talk a little bit about how this opportunity came about for you to work with Rick. And obviously, like we mentioned, not just this weekend at Martinsville, going to get another shot at Phoenix as well. Yes, sir. Yeah, we're definitely just trying to make the best of the opportunities that we have arisen uh, and obviously to move to move forward as, as quickly as we can. Uh, and obviously this is a great opportunity that we definitely couldn't pass up. Uh, and obviously it's 500 laps that I have 
to learn every lap, and, and it's with the best race car drivers in the world. Uh, so it's, uh, it's definitely going to be very fun, and uh, it's obviously the biggest race of my life, and I'm very excited to go to Martinsville this weekend and, and uh, like I said, learn every single lap. Well, you know, this is definitely a step up for you in, a, I think, a completely different situation than what you've ever been in before. Not only do you walk into the Cup Series, which is, which is these drivers are the best of the best, but you walk in at Martinsville and everybody says, well, hey, yeah, but it's a short track. Yes, but it's a playoff race. Welcome to the big stage, Kyle Weatherman. Yeah, absolutely, and obviously I'm, def- I'm definitely going to respect uh, everything that those guys have going on. Uh, I'm actually going to respect every single driver. So, uh, you know, just, just going there to, to log laps, uh, learn a lot, and uh, like I said, be there at the end. That's the most important part, and, and uh, keeping the race car clean, and that's what we're going to do. So uh, very excited for this opportunity. Like I said, this is definitely the biggest opportunity of my life. And uh, we're definitely going to make it uh, make it a fun one for sure. Boy, it, uh, you can hear the excitement and the energy in your voice. Uh, talk about the background of all this. Yeah, so definitely, uh, definitely been in the works for a while. And, uh, you know, we've definitely had communication with uh, Rick and the team for, for a while now. And uh, finally, the opportunity arose where we thought that it would uh, be a good opportunity to, to make the debut. And, and uh, we're here doing it now. So, uh, like I said, definitely very thankful for for the opportunity and obviously everybody involved to make this happen. Uh, you know, those kind of people that, that has made this happen, but obviously, uh, you know, my family is definitely the biggest, biggest key and the biggest role in, in all of this, uh, without my dad, my mom, brother and sister and all their support, uh, none of this would have been possible. So definitely got to thank them for, for everything they do. And, and, uh, there's a ton of people behind the scenes that have, have definitely made this, made this happen and made this work. And I'm just so thankful and blessed to, uh, to have this opportunity and, and, uh, I'm definitely going to do the best of my ability and, and make them all proud. Make them all proud. Well, you go from Martinsville to get your second shot on the mile at Phoenix. Uh, those are two distinctly different racetracks. Talk about what you're looking forward to there, uh, and, and what you think it's going to take to adapt from one track to the other. Yeah, it's definitely going to be uh, you know difficult, but I've used my resources and and uh, I've got a lot of a lot of good friends that have obviously in the Cup Series that. Uh, I've been talking to and I've been studying and, and watching a lot of film and, and watching a ton of YouTube videos. So uh, to say the least, uh, ev- everything besides being on the racetrack in that physical car, I've done, I've done just about everything. So, uh, you know, definitely been on high racing a little bit and, and even practicing on that a little bit. There we go. But, uh, you know, definitely, uh, definitely every resource that I have, uh, I've used and, and definitely going to keep on using that to, uh, to make myself better and and uh, to complete all 500 laps at uh, Martinsville. Does it help your confidence a little bit, Kyle, because so much of your racing background is on short tracks, that these two races are at facilities that, you know, Martinsville, obviously a true short track, but Phoenix, in a way, kind of drives like a short track as well? Yeah, I've, I've definitely ran well at, uh, you know, a lot of the short tracks in the Arca Series, and, and uh, obviously, like you said, I've, I've uh, um, you know, going to Martinsville, obviously, that's the short track of, of the uh, of the NASCAR series, so uh, very excited to see what we can do and and uh, definitely make the best of the opportunity that we have. But obviously, short track is is where we all grew up, starting and and you know legend cars and, and go karts and and uh, bandoleros and stuff like that. So uh, to kind of go back to that and to uh, you know definitely just um, you know learn, like I said, learn learn every single lap. And 500 laps is is a long race, so I've definitely been trying to uh, you know prepare myself for that, drinking a lot of water, eating the correct food and, and stuff like that just uh, to start preparing and and uh, getting that all situated also 
Now, Kyle, you do have one start in NASCAR uh, in the Camping World Truck Series. You ran the uh, finale at Homestead in 2015. Talk a bit about some of the differences that you uh, go through as a driver going from ARCA into the NASCAR body for the Truck Series and coming back to ARCA and now going into the Cup Series. Yeah, it's definitely a transition, that's for sure. But you definitely just kind of got to, uh, you know, obviously respect the other drivers and kind of just, you know, pay attention and and watch other drivers. And and, uh, that's the biggest thing, and that's what's definitely going to, uh, you know, be amazing this next uh, this weekend coming up is, is I'm racing against the best of the best race car drivers, and I get to learn from the best. Uh, so it's definitely just going to, uh, you know, execute and, and, and make my career uh, so much better just for, uh, you know, just being with the best drivers and stuff like that. So I'm very, very thankful for this and, and definitely going to make uh, the best of the opportunity and definitely learn from, uh, you know, everybody out there, absolutely. How big is the dream now? You and I have talked about it on this show in the past. I mean, this is, in large part, the realization of your dream from the time you were a little kid running on the quarter mile at Charlotte uh, back in Bandoleros and Legends cars. I mean, can you even describe what the emotion's like going into this weekend, knowing that, uh, like you said, it's the best of the best now? Yes, sir. Once I got the phone call and I knew that it was official, uh, I wish I wish I could have got my reaction on uh, on camera. I was I was shaking. I was so excited, uh, and it's uh, it's absolutely a dream come true. Like you said, when I was eight racing go karts, uh, you know I, I dreamed to be racing with uh, you know Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh, you know, so this is an awesome experience. Uh, obviously, he's you know leaving this year, so not everybody can say that they've raced against Dale Earnhardt Jr. So it's it's going to be an amazing amazing experience. And uh, like I said, I'm just going to learn every single lap and enjoy the time that I have, and and uh, hopefully it's just the beginning. I think we're all hoping it's only the beginning for you, and I'm sure uh, there's a list of thank yous that you want to make sure you hit on and give out, uh, Kyle. Who do you need to thank for helping give you this opportunity, people, sponsors, uh, anybody that's made it possible? Yeah, so definitely going to start off with my family first. I know I said that earlier, but uh, they're, they're amazing, and I definitely couldn't do it without any of any of my family members. So definitely got to thank mom, dad, brother, and sister for, for everything they do and the support that they give. Uh, Carlisle McNair uh, is definitely another really big supporter of mine and, and uh, definitely wouldn't be in this situation without him. So uh, St. Charles Last Turn 1 Condos, uh, they've definitely helped and put a lot of a lot of their support and a lot of their effort into uh, to making this all possible also. So i got to thank them as well. Well, uh, we're excited uh, having had you on this show a bunch going back to the much earlier stages of your career, Kyle. Definitely excited for you. Congratulations, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing you this weekend at Martinsville. Uh, Looking forward to being up there and uh, definitely wishing you, Rick, and the whole 51 crew the best of luck. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on here. Definitely enjoyed coming on this show, and uh, we're going to uh, to Martinsville to complete 500 laps and keep the fenders on it. So I'm really excited, and... uh, Definitely going to learn a lot, and I'm very thankful and blessed to have this opportunity. So I appreciate it, guys. Definitely looking forward to it. That's Kyle Weatherman, and you can Good catch job. him in the Rick Ware Racing number 51 this weekend at Martinsville Speedway. We are going to step aside, and when we come back, we're going to talk Xfinity Racing and a slide job that led one young gun to victory lane. We'll hear from Chris Bell when we come back. You're listening to Motorsports Madness here on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. Okay, so, Sarah, I'm dropping you off at Emily's? Yep. And Josh, you're going to? Soccer, Dad. Soccer practice. Right. Oh, by the way, I just wanted to let you know when I pick you both up, I'll be wearing my short shorts. What? No! 
Yep, and my dorky dad hat, and I'm gonna do my dad dance for all your friends. They'll love it! Seriously? Why? Because I like my short shorts. Of course, I could be talked out of it if you guys would just buckle up your seatbelts without giving me a hard time. It's important to get your kids to buckle up for safety, no matter what it takes. And sometimes, all it takes is your parental powers of persuasion. Okay, okay, we're buckling up. See, all buckled. Good choice. I'll just have to do my dad dance at dinner time. What, what? No! Do what you have to to make sure your kids are wearing their seatbelts, even on short drives. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup for more information. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speed, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control, and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. This is a test to find out if you know it all when it comes to children. Name one of the leading killers of U.S. children age 1 to 13. What's the best way to protect children in a car crash? At what age and size should a child start using a booster seat? Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov slash the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Harrison Burton, driver of the number 12 Toyota Camry, and you're listening to Motorsports Madness on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. Well, this has been a good night, hasn't it? We had the ARCA champ, the K&N East champ. We're doing good on our uh, champion re-entries here. Re-entries, yeah. Exactly. Hunter Yancey's kicking tail there behind the glass. And in case you're wondering or just joining us, I'm Jacob Seelman. He's Tom Baker. James Pike and Cisco Scaramuza are also with us here on this program, which is Motorsports Madness on the Performance Motorsports Network. And we are going to talk the NASCAR Xfinity Series right now because Cup Series cut four guys out of their playoff field. The Xfinity Series started their second round of the playoffs at Kansas on Saturday. However, a playoff driver for the fourth time in four playoff races did not win. And for the third time in the last four weeks, it was a first-time winner. But what everybody was talking about was the move that won Christopher Bell. His first playoff, or first Xfinity race, not just playoff race. His first Xfinity race, period, Tom. So, let's go around the table. I'll just ask the question straight off. Chris Bell basically used a dirt track slide job to beat his teammate for the win. Unfortunately, he wrecked his teammate in the process. But, do you approve of the slide job move that Chris Bell used? Yes or no, and why? He won, didn't he? Uh Uh-huh. 
I mean, that was kind of my thought. You know, here's the thing: we saw Carl Edwards do it. I want to say Ryan Newman was it Newman that did it at, at uh, Homestead a yep. couple of years ago? Was uh, it Homestead? It was Phoenix to make the. It, he yeah, basically Phoenix, he that's body right. slammed Larson. Yeah, Kyle Larson. It wasn't right. a true slide yeah. job. He put Larson in the wall. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. He didn't. He didn't even have him cleared even on the bottom. Um, you know, it's kind of one of those things. I just, to be honest. I'm not a big fan of it. Um, I mean, Eric Jones would have had no way of knowing that he was going to come all the way up the track. And I think if Chris Bell thinks about this for a little while, he'll probably look at it as a teachable moment to say, you know, look, if you're going to do that, then, you know, you've got to maintain control of your car and you can't make the other guy run in the back of you because you stop in front of him. Um, But, you know, it's one of those situations, and it certainly made for some drama at the end and something for all of us media types to talk about, but you definitely don't want to wreck a teammate of all people. Cisco. I mean, once again, he did win the race. I would just say for, for him, I wouldn't uh, expect any Christmas cards from the Eric Jones household uh, <laughs> exactly. coming up this December. Yeah. But it sets a precedent if that's how you're going to race that's how people are going to race you back so i just hope that chris realizes that a lot of people in the nascar community took a uh, a big look at what happened there and uh, i don't think they're going to forget anytime soon <sighs> james um you're debating you can do it i guess so i'm like i'm really very i don't have a strong feeling either way oh he's like the this. magic eight ball like kyle petty's magic eight ball that now has its own uh, twitter account because <laughs> he, he here's my thing the story that. for me uh, coming out of this race and a point that you probably had on your little cheat seat that i think is worth jumping to now so I'll make it easy for you is not necessarily the move but the fact that if you didn't believe that Chris Bell was ready for the Xfinity Series, regardless of what happens in the final few truck races, he's going to run for KBM. I can't help you because he wins this. He's run, what, two or three other ones? I know he ran Charlotte in May. And yeah. Probably a few. Yeah. This was Is four, there uh, uh, five of eight, I think. This was five of eight because they added one somewhere right. along the way. See, That's right. But still, he's been, you know, top 10, top 15, I think, in just about all of them. I'm yep. going to cross-check that and make sure I'm not yep. an idiot now. And, you know, the numbers have been there. The performances have been there. Now he gets to win, and it's almost early. I mean, shoot, Chris Bell may end up being a championship favorite next year in this thing if he keeps up at this rate. He's Of all the guys who have come from, like, open wheel and dirt in the past few years and uh, for all of them that have struggled with the transition, he's been the one that's been able to figure it out and is the one that's probably going to end up running one of Joe Gibbs' cup cars someday. This is just another step along that ladder. Sooner rather than later, I'll say that. Uh, and, Tom, I think James makes a good point here in the fact that he's managing the transition from dirt to stock car arguably even better than the guy who mentored him for a couple of years, Kyle Larson. See, I'm not sure. Well, uh, yeah, uh, exactly. I, I I see where you're going with that because in the, in the aspect of he's finishing, he's running up front, he's winning, he's not taking himself out of races by being too aggressive and yeah. bouncing it off a wall every week. Um, yeah, I agree. I'm not so sure I totally agree with Cisco that everybody's going to be, you know, remembering this as, I mean, I think Chris is going to be allowed to, to overreach mm-hmm. once. 
you know, he's new, he's, but obviously it becomes a pattern. But I just, I look at this and say, James is exactly right in looking ahead and saying, I think you make Chris Bell an early favorite for the 2018 championship. Remember, Joe Gibbs didn't have a single driver other than Matt Tift running for the championship this year in that series. And Matt is in the playoffs running for the championship. So, yeah. Oh, by the way. Oh, by the way, though, the, he, he did not get off to the auspicious start that he was hoping for in the round of eight either. No, but he's, he's still, still there, there. And, and they're yeah. all still within a race. So anything can happen. Yeah. Yeah. Though the three. Nobody's jun- comfortable. Uh, the three junior cars got themselves a whole lot more comfortable. Maybe. Just but saying. Ask Kyle Larson about comfortable. <laughs> yeah. You know? So here's the deal. We're going to hear from Chris Bell in victory lane on the slide job, and then we're going to come back and talk about Eric Jones' reaction to said slide job in a moment. But first, the happy winner. He's going to celebrate. The team's going to celebrate. You know that. But what's going to be talked about is the move on his teammate, Eric Jones. Impressive win for you, but i got to ask you, any second thoughts about the move that you pulled on your teammate, Eric Jones? I haven't seen it, so I, I don't. I can't really talk much about it. But uh, you know, I never want to wreck anyone, especially my teammate. But uh, I don't know. My spotter set clear. I drove it in really deep. I felt like I felt like I cleared him. Um, I don't know. Here's the replay. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I was clear, so it's my first Xfinity win. I, I'm sorry that Eric couldn't finish the race, but. Uh, Man, I'm just stoked. This thing was awesome. This JBL Toyota Camry was uh, absolutely outstanding, and I'm really thankful to be able to be a part of this Joe Gibbs Racing uh, Foundation. It's a dream come true to be here, and uh, to be able to win in the Xfinity Series is just uh, it's something that I dreamed of as a kid, so I'm uh, really excited about that. Eric says he wishes it was racing for the win, but he said that was a wreck for the win. Your thoughts on that and what you might say to Eric after this? Well, I mean, I'm going to apologize. It, it sucks that we couldn't race it out or he didn't finish the race. But uh, I don't know, man. I, I cleared him there, and um, we're, we're both on old tires. We're both sliding around, and I was going to the top. I don't few laps. Did you think, hey, I might be able to catch him here because it looked like he was going to run away with this thing? Yeah, well, I ran him down from however far back I was, and then I got there. And it's always tough to make the pass because uh, you get up there, and the air gets disturbed, and it's tough because you don't have the grip that you have by yourself. But uh you know, just really thankful to be here and uh, bummed, bummed the way it finished, but uh, happy it held on. I'll say this much, Tom, in the fact that you referenced it just now uh, in our chat that he was clear in the other lane. And then Eric Jones says, this isn't dirt track racing. Yeah, I. that's what what Chris needs to realize is that when you're clear on the bottom, if you're carrying all that momentum and you go up to the top, you're going to have to lift to keep yourself from hitting the wall. So what he sees is clear and on a dirt track, it's a little different because number one, on a dirt track, you see people giving the slide jobs all the time. And, you know, what happens is you see the one guy coming up and the other guy goes right down and slide jobs him back. You know, this isn't dirt track racing. Eric's right. And I think experience with Chris 
will tell him that this is not the best way to be passing cars, uh, you know, on the pavement in NASCAR. So I think definitely Chris Bell is going to be in a situation where he'll learn from this. But, you know, it, it's just unfortunate that it had to be uh, Cisco two teammates and even more unfortunate that they didn't get to race it out because that would have been fun if Chris just wouldn't have come up to the top quite when he did that would have been a side-by-side shootout that might have produced a couple of swaps before we got to the finish line yeah I think if Jones hadn't had to pull off the racetrack and it didn't all go wrong for him yeah no I think that would have been a lot better I think Jones probably would have been a little bit less mad than he was uh post-race now because that effectively i mean it you know chris said it took him out of the race so this is a case where you know it's i don't think you know hindsight's 2020 you've been saying it the last couple weeks and i think chris bell you know if he could have done the move slightly differently in order to keep jones in the race he probably could have but he fired it in he got the win and uh, I mean, I don't think he's going to take he's going to send the trophy to Jones anytime soon, James. Yes, but this doesn't come to roost until we either see them go at it again next year in the Xfinity series when Jones drops down and Bell comes up or later on. I, I don't know. Um, Chris has got time to get this sorted, time to learn. That's what I think matters. If he doesn't learn, then, you know, that could become interesting. But it's one of those, you get away with it once, just don't do anything crazy like that again, or people are really going to have it out for you. I just thought I'd slip in here, Jacob. I was sitting here thinking about this. We talk, we're talking like, okay, Chris Bell's an early favorite. I still agree with that. But let's let's just keep this little Ryan priest rumor going just for a little, shall we? Cause frankly, I just like the idea of Ryan priest running full time in the Xfinity series for J- Joe Gibbs racing. I think that would make two early favorites for the championship. In Xfinity. Indeed. And so, you know, we, we've seen Joe Gibbs kind of not be as big a factor this year. Just, just wait. Yeah, just wait. We'll see. Next year's going to be what fun. It brings. Let's remind ourselves that most likely Chris Bell will uh, end up in the twenty next year and there's that still that little 19 car floating around hmm ryan priest just saying maybe we're, we'll <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna step Rumors aside good if yeah when we come back dirt tracking second half steve ovens <coughs> we will continue on motorsports madness right after these words you're listening to the performance motorsports network the voice of motorsports When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. Here at Lewis Meineke, we're more than just your average car care center. Hey, it's Dave, your neighbor from Lewis Meineke. Whether you need an oil change, brakes, tires, or anything under the hood, we've got you covered. Take advantage of our free check engine light service as well. Yes, free. And don't forget about our free shuttle service. Never stress, we'll take care of the rest. On with life. Give us a call at Lewis Meineke, 302-827-2054. 
Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. My mom. <laughs> my mommy. Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. Do you love the sound of high-revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels, new to intermediate, to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-race com or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com drift nirvana getting you sideways the right way if you own a gun you have a full-time responsibility when you aren't using it be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children troubled teenagers a thief or anyone else who might misuse it your family friends and neighbors are all counting on you remember always lock it up for more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council. Hide the kids. It's time to get dirty with the Race Chaser Online crew. Here's your host, Jacob Seelman, with Turn 5 Live's curator of Casa de Porkchop, Stephen Evans. Hi, that's, that's you. me, by the way. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness. If you're just joining us, we are just past the top of the hour here on the Performance Motorsports Network. As said, I'm Jacob Seelman. The guy who answered me is Tom Baker. He's a little crazy. I mean, I'm more crazy, but still. I was going to say. James Pike, Cisco Scaramuza, also with us at the roundtable, as is Dr. Dirt, Steve Ovens, who joins us now. Steve, I'm going to take you back to the very beginning of the season. I think one of our shows in January was when we set up this little bet about who was going to have the better season, Brandon Shepard or Josh Richards. And we went through all these scenarios, but I'm going to be honest. I don't think either of us planned for our little bet having a possible scenario where it ended in a tie <laughs> because Brandon Shepard has all but clinched the World of Outlaws Late Models Championship for this season. And yet here's Josh Richards, who on the final night of the season did what he had to do, won the race, took advantage of his rival's misfortune, and not only pocketed 100000 bucks for winning the Dirt Track World Championship, he wins the Lucas Oil Late Model Championship in the process for Best Performance Motorsports. Hello! Gotcha! Yeah, and, and it is, you know, I, I at this point with them being tied, I, I almost have to give the nod to Richards. And, and, you know, we've talked about this all season long. 
Uh, you know, one reason I would give Richards the nod, even though they're tied right now, is because of the competition level. But number two, Richards had to close the deal essentially with a win. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I know that there were other scenarios where, you know, Richards could finish here and T-Mac could finish there and still clinch the championship. But at the end of the day, we talked about this last Monday night. The goal for Richards this past weekend was to go win the race, and that's exactly what he did. And and where whatever happens to McCready happens at that point. And I, I'll be honest with you, I didn't, I didn't expect this outcome. I really didn't because I felt like McCready and and the Longhorn Longhorn team, I really felt like they could just go in, log a top five. And, and seal up this championship, regardless of what Richards did. But, you know, they got through qualifying pretty well. And when it came to the race, it just it just didn't happen for these guys. And, and Richards goes on to win. And, and T-Mac uh, finishes back in, I believe, the 13th spot. And uh, yeah, actually, uh, I think it might have been a little further back than that. But, 17th in know, the final run. Yeah, yeah, 17th. That's right. They were at one point in the 13th spot and then fell back four more spots before the end of the race. And, you know, for Richards, this is that, to me, Jacob, this is that last notch in the belt for him that, you know, just adds to what I think was already going to be a Hall of Fame career. But now... Now we enter him in the conversation of, you know, best dirt late model driver ever. And, and uh, you know, th- there's guys like Bloomquist. Um, you know, I think in a few years we'll even have Brandon Shepard as a part yeah. of that conversation. But Josh Richards has elevated himself to best ever status after this weekend. I want to add to this before we get too deep into uh, focusing on Josh, Steve. Can I just make the point that, by the way, the pass he made to win the race Saturday night was on the car he drove last year, that he passed Brandon Shepard and the Rocket won to win that race? I mean, just saying. It's fitting, isn't it? It is, and and don't you think that out of – any of the cars in the field Saturday night, you got to believe that when those two cars, when those two drivers see one another on the track, that it's elbows up and, mm-hmm. and you get, you dig just a little bit deeper yep. trying to make a pass on that car. Now, Tom, I'll ask you this question just because I think you may have perspective from having been in this sport and around similar situations in the past, but can you imagine what Mark Richards was going through in the second half of that race, seeing the car that he owns leading the race and his son <laughs> trying to pass said car and win the race to win the championship? If you're Mark Richards, I, I imagine at that point, you just close your eyes and tell somebody to, to, to tell me when it's over. <laughs> well, um, let's see. IMSA in the future, Wayne Taylor Racing and Penske. Uh, yeah, really. You know, I that's it's got to be a tough situation, and it's one of those things where, I mean, nobody really knows everything that went into that whole sort of swap. breakup or swap yeah. or whatever. Um, sometimes, 
it just becomes about being restless for difference. Yeah. You just want to see if you can go outside of dad. The comfort, and, outside the comfort yeah, zone. Yeah, and, and see what the other side looks like and feels like. Uh, and, I mean, I guess I would say that uh, based on the race over the weekend, it feels pretty good. Yeah, know, but I mean. Yeah, it had to be difficult. Really, for both of them, if you think yeah. about being in the car and like, wait a minute, that's been my car. And, you know, now I'm having to beat. Yeah. To beat and, and if you're Mark Richards, that's also a hundred thousand dollar check that kind of sort of got yeah. away too. Exactly. <laughs> he doesn't get it, but his son does. Now I also, Tom would equate the way this championship battle ended to a similar championship battle that we saw a few weeks ago. I almost look at this uh, situation for T-Mac this was kind of the Todd Gilliland syndrome because oh, yeah. McCready yeah. had two flat tires in that 100-lap race on Saturday at Portsmouth, and that was really what set him back and prevented him from being able to capitalize and, and seriously challenge for the championship. And really, the same for Bloomquist, who had a flat tire that took him out of it, too. Yeah, I think so. I again, you know, you ask yourself, I mean, what are the, what can these what can you do as a driver about flat tire? You can't. You know, nothing. <laughs> and to have two of them, you know, that's that's just double maddening and you know, it it just wasn't meant to be, I guess, but you know, it, it, it I don't care what anybody says. There's depth in that series and yes. you know, you could take the top 10 drivers in my opinion and just you know, flip a coin from week to week. You never know who's going to win, Steve. And, you know, I think it's kind of cool that we've gotten to the point now where that that's the situation. And it's been fun watching Josh Richards against his former ride all year. Oh, it absolutely has. And, you know, I, I think the other night, you know, when you when you guys are talking about Mark Richards, you know, I have a feeling I know what he was thinking over the weekend um, this is going to be a great day for Rocket Chassis any way you look at it. Yeah. Uh, you know, because, yes, yes, his team didn't take home the $100,000 check, Jacob, but, you know, uh, at the end of the day, that was a very, very good day for Rocket Chassis. And, and, and you know that, you know, even though it may not have been his team coming out on top, you know as a manufacturer of a, of a very popular chassis manufacturer in the late model business that 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 did wonders <laughs> for that company over the weekend but you know i'm gonna i'm gonna give you guys another winner from mm -hmm. this weekend and i think it's the fans i think the fans came out as real winners in this whole title fight because you know we truly had some of the best of the best going at it all season long and you know, Jacob, it, it's hard for us to look at it at the beginning of the season. You know, when we see all the names that are going to be following the Lucas Oil Tour, and, and you're just, you know, just licking your chops with how many good stories and how many good races are going to come out of that. But it's a whole other thing when it actually comes to fruition. And, and we saw the parody that we saw this year on that tour and some of the great races. And the point race at the end, you know, as a fan of dirt light model racing, what more can you ask for? Uh, you, you had guys that, you know, three, it really came down to three guys in the end. And it came down to who's going to win the race and win this championship. And, and at the end of the day, it was Richards. I liked what you said earlier, Steve, but I will ask the same question I asked a year ago this time, just after the 
announcement. And, you know, now that Josh has a Lucas Oil title under his belt, is there anything else legitimately left that he has to do at this point, do you feel like? There's nothing he has to do. I think right now, uh, I think for Josh, you, you, you write down a list of some of the crown jewels that you haven't won. I mean, because as far as championships go, I mean, he's done all that he could do on the World of yeah, Outlaw late think, model oh, series. Yeah. And and even though it's just one championship, guys, once you've achieved that on the Lucas Oil late model series, I mean, uh, all you can do is come back and add more in numbers. Uh, but I don't think that he needs to, you know, add three or four before we say, okay, He's finally he has accomplished almost everything that you can. And so now I look at it, Josh, and, and say, OK, now let's make a list of the, some of the crown jewels that you haven't won. And, you know, regardless of what series they follow next year, and I, I'm sure it'll be the same schedule for him. But you look at some of those races and say, OK, guys, we're going to put just a little bit more focus. And I don't say that to say that they don't put 150% into every race. Cause obviously they do with the performance this year, but you, you're going to put just uh 25% more into some of those bigger races to try and capture wins and in, in events that he hasn't previously. We're going to keep Steve around and come back and talk a little more dirt track racing here on Motorsports Madness because there were other things in action this weekend too, including uh, an Australian who's pretty good at winning World of Outlaws sprint car races. Uh, so we'll, we'll get to the Madsen factor when we come back. You're listening to the Madness here on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their car, Cars, including front and rear skid control and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444. Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. My mom. <laughs> My mommy. Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. 
The Performance Motorsports Network is a compilation of shows about motorsports. From technical to controversial to just fun, everything you like about racing and gearhead stuff is right here on one internet channel. The Performance Motorsports Network. Tell your friends about it. Hi, I'm Reed Sorensen. Racing has been a part of me and my family for as long as I can remember. I had to make tough choices early on to get to the top. It took hard work and dedication. But it's those tough choices that helped me prepare for challenges I would face as a cup driver. Make the right choices today and be ready for the challenges tomorrow. This message is brought to you by the U.S. Air Force. But I want to walk 500 miles. Hi, I'm Ben Rhodes, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness here on PMN. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, James Pike, Cisco Scaramuza, and Dr. Dirt Steve Ovens joining us as we talk racing here on the network and of the dirt track variety right now. I said before the break it was the Madsen effect or the Madsen factors. Maybe uh, the better word for this is Madsen Madness because... <laughs> My goodness, uh, he just seems to find a way to win World of Outlaws races lately. Yeah, uh, one way or another, I think that um, it's kind of interesting with him because he'll go a while and you hardly even know he's there. I know. And then all of a sudden, he gets hot and he has just a little streak. He did that because Kerry Madsen swept a World of yeah. Outlaws weekend earlier in the season, and uh, for those curious, well, where we were over the weekend, Salina Highbanks Speedway in Oklahoma was the site of Saturday night's race, and y you talk about these mini streaks. Kerry Madsen's now got five World of Outlaws wins this season, so what it comes down to, Steve, is the fact that this Australian is good, and not just good. He's really good. Oh, he really is. He really is. Uh, I, You know, I thought this was uh, a really awesome story from the weekend, Jacob, because, you know, here's a team right here that, you know, didn't want to make a full go of it on the tour, matched up with a driver who was happy enough with not being out on the full tour as well. And, boy, they have just been so strong every time they've come out of the box this year. They have. And, oh, by the way, he beat Donnie Schatz and Brad Sweet to win Saturday's feature at Salina High Banks. I mean, these are the two guys who have run one, two in points all year. And Kerry comes in and says, hey, guys, remember me? I mean, he did, Steve, by the way, run the full tour a couple of times uh, three or four years ago and eventually just said, hey, you know, this isn't for me. This isn't what I want to be doing. I'd rather run in the Midwest and win a ton of races and not necessarily have to crisscross the country and worry about points every single week. And I'd say he's accomplished that goal pretty well. Oh, I, I think so. And, and, you know, there was, you know, there, there was that headline, which was, was awesome from this race. But, you know, I, I think that, you know, we're, we're down toward the end of the season, but, uh, there's there was quite a little storyline from this one as well uh, between Brad Sweet and David Gravel. And, and I don't know what the fallout of that is going to be as we come up on the next event uh, before we go down to the world finals. But that could be something to follow the uh, the little ordeal between Sweet and David Gravel. 
Yeah, so just to give a little background on this, we were about lap one and a half, I think, Steve, and Brad went for the lead going into turn three, tried to pull a slider, and it was basically similar to what happened between Chris Bell and Eric Jones in the Xfinity race when they were racing for the lead, albeit that was with four laps to go. But, <laughs> you know, you end up with one car that gets away and one wrecked race car. Yeah, the only difference here is uh, there wasn't a Monday morning meeting with Coach Coach Gibbs <laughs> between yeah. Gravel and, and, and Sweet. So, uh, yeah, you know... Eh, at the end of the day, Jacob, I think, you know, this is one of those deals that you chalk up to good, hard racing. But at the same time, you know, these are the two guys who, you know, have been doing everything they could to try and mount a charge back here on shots. And, you know, at the at that really sunk gravel, you yeah. know, as if as if he wasn't already out of the picture, Tom, I think that really you know, was the final nail in the coffin for his championship hopes this year. And, you know, sweet, not quite out of it yet, but boy, it's going to, it's going to take some real magic here in the last few events. Yes, it is. And to give Tom the number perspective that I'm so fond of that dropped David from just over 200 points out to 298 points in arrears of Donnie shots. I'd say for the five team with only four features left, it's over. Yeah, and that's it's really kind of a shame because it would have been fun to see it at least I see him have a mathematical shot coming in. Yeah, him. at this but, point, if Donnie keeps uh, keeps this lead, he's going to lock it up after night one of the world finals. Yeah, yeah I mean, and you would have expected that to probably happen, but it just would right. have been good to see David come in with even a slight chance. He still had a great season, though. and, and 17 I, wins. Yeah, I mean, I think it only, to me, it would only get better from here. That team, Steve, has found their, their groove together this year yep. and looking forward to seeing what they do next year. I, I completely agree, and, and I re recently listened to a, an interview uh, that Barry Jackson did, and, and I, I'm excited for these guys for, for their future. I think, you know, potentially 17 wins this year, guys, could could just be the tip of the iceberg. And, and, and for the rest of the competition, that's pretty scary. Yeah, it is. By the way, little nuggets when I look at the points that intrigue me. The fact that uh, you look at... Basically, the fact that the 17 Stenhouse-Wood team, Steve, had half the season with Joey Saldana, half the season with Jack Hodenshield. And by the way, they were in the news because they just announced a sponsorship deal from NOS Energy going forward. But it intrigues me that with basically 50% of the season apiece, four races remaining, yes, but Jack Hodenshield has not been able to score more points than Joey Saldana. And at this point, he's got the exact same number of top 10 finishes that Joey Saldana had during his tenure in the first half. So at some point, one has to ask themselves, neither of these guys have forgotten how to drive. So the issue then is... Well, I don't know what the issue is, Jacob, but I can tell you that 
when I saw the press release come out about Nas Energy signing up with, with this with these guys, my first reaction was, wow, this wasn't based on performance. <laughs> because, you know, nothing against these guys. They just haven't had the results this year. And and I also found it intriguing that they've got, you know, what seems like pretty solid sponsorship here. But yet, you know, they, they don't have necessarily, like, is Jack Hoddenshield going to be the driver going forward? We don't know. Yeah, I don't we know don't. if they know that. Um, but it just it seems so backwards for what we're used to talking about yeah. sponsorship-wise. Um, they've got a solid sponsor. We'll see what happens about the driver. But, I, you know, I, I'm not sure what it what it is. I, I, you know, you look at Kyle Larson jumping in that car and getting a win right out of the box. And I know Kyle Larson is, is you know, uh, on the upper echelon uh, on the talent meter. But um, neither of these guys are, you know, <laughs> they're not that they're far not off. No, exactly. no, not at all. But but at the same time, the results just haven't been there. No, so, they have That'll be interesting to follow. Yeah, it really will be. And oh, by the way, Steve, lest we forget, there was another race on Friday night of this past weekend at Lakeside Speedway in Kansas City, down the road from the cup race. And some some guy who's sponsored by FVP, who's kind of famous around those Midwest parts, may have won the race i mean <laughs> brian brown hello yeah and here's a guy to look at as we come into this final stretch of races for the 2017 season uh don't be shocked if brian brown doesn't come to the world finals and win and again get a win or yes. two yes that would so, be fun I, I i'll say that and you know, uh, another guy that is going to be really, really interesting to follow at World Finals, Jacob, is going to be the uh, the old wily veteran, Brett Hearn, who picked up his 12th Eastern States 200 uh, victory on Sunday, yeah. uh, collecting $35,000 and getting a little bit of revenge on Stuart Friesen after finishing second to him after seeing a right rear tire go flat in turn three on the final lap. So Hearn wins, Friesen finishes in the second spot, and uh, a great weekend out there at uh, at Middletown uh, for Eastern States weekend. Yeah, let's see. What was that, Steve? Number 304 for Brett at the track all time, if I remember right? You know what? I don't have Brett's numbers here, but I think it was 304 because I know he got 300 a little while back. And if I remember and, reading right, it was 304. And and think about this th this way, too. Earlier this year, he got his 900th victory period period in his career. And a, over a third of them have come at Orange County. Yeah, that's so that's, that's kind of stupid numbers right there. That's pretty crazy. And and when you think about some of the other tracks that he's dominated over his career, i.e. Um, uh, Lebanon Valley, mm -hmm. you know, to, to think that a third of his victories have come at Middletown have been, you know, that that is pretty impressive. Um, and I don't want to take anything away from Stuart Friesen because no, he picked up all. the win Thursday night uh, in the North Series uh, for the Short Track Super Series who ran their finale there on Thursday. So yeah. it was 
quite a weekend of racing up here in New York. It really was, and great to see. Now, since you brought up the Super Dirt Car Series and them coming to Charlotte, I'll give you a little bit of bonus time here, Steve-O. Matt Shepard and Billy Decker come in separated by 30 points with two features to go. If Matt Shepard does what, well, Matt Shepard did a year ago at Charlotte, not only does he reset the single-season wins record that he broke last year, he also wins his sixth championship. But Billy Decker's been no slouch and won at Brockville <laughs> to keep this close. Which one? Pick him. Shepard has the lead, and he just needs to go into Charlotte and take care of business. And, you know, as long as he doesn't have a Charlotte meltdown like we saw he had a few years ago when re racing for HBR, I think Shepard gets it done. Uh, he got win number 40 on Saturday night in the Dutch Hogue Memorial up here in the Northeast at Outlaw Speedway. So he's coming in after picking up his 40th feature win of the year. And, you know, Billy Decker, I'm not, I'm not going to count them out, but I got to go with Shepard. He's got the lead, and all he needs to do is come into Charlotte and do what he's been doing yeah. since returning from suspension. And I just think he gets it done. If he does, it'll set all sorts of records on the Super Dirt yeah, Car Series no that we'll talk about another time. As always, a pleasure having Steve on. And with that, we are going to go to a break. And when we return, there was a Formula One race in this country that we can talk about. There was. And there was some fun little Australian racing that was not in this country that James is going to have fun talking about. So... F1 and supercars on the other side of this. You're listening to Motorsports Madness here on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speed, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control, and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes on Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Camping World truck teams, many IndyCar and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America, featuring world-renowned brands like Stilo Helmets, Schroep Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, HJC Helmets, Orca Driver Gear, 
Lifeline Fire Systems and even Racecom Radio Kits, HMS representatives are experts in their field and focused on only one thing, making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the staff at HMS is always ready to take the time and help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent ya. Hi, this is John Andrasik of Five for Fighting, here for RAD, the entertainment industry's voice for road safety. You know, style is a personal thing, and your lifestyle is your business. But if you take it on the road, it becomes everybody's business. So please, plan ahead, designate before you celebrate. Friends, don't let friends drive drunk. A public service announcement brought to you by RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm John Holloman, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness here on the Performance Motorsports Network. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, James Pike, Cisco Scaramuza with you talking racing and talking, well, I would call this the international racing segment, except Formula One was stateside on Sunday for the United States Grand Prix. And just like we have in four of the last Five years. James, Lewis Hamilton likes the stars and stripes. Plus one to Formula One for doing breast cancer awareness podium caps. But I wanted them to go plus two and make them the big hats that they wore in the inaugural season. Oh, the, 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 the big Texas size hats? Yeah, if you're yes. in Texas, you know. And didn't they do it with sombreros in Mexico in 15 too? I believe so. Pretty sure yes. they did. But I, I want to see more of that kind of thing because that's good. And that's that's good marketing from Pirelli. But, yeah, Lewis is really good here. Should we be that surprised? No, no, no we really shouldn't be. I think what's so amazing to me about all of this Cisco is – not only is Lewis good, really, really good in the States because he got his first ever U.S. Grand Prix win at Indianapolis back during his rookie season, but this track, I mean, he has owned Austin, Texas for the most part since it was added to the F1 schedule and has won every race but one here, and the only race he didn't win, he was in contention before Misfortune took that from him and gave it to Sebastian Vettel. So maybe we just need to rename Circuit of the Americas Lewis Hamilton International Raceway or something. Yeah, I agree with that, but that was not the only storyline to come out of this race. No. And uh, the other massive storyline to come out of that was the fact that on the last lap... The pass that wasn't really a pass because the stewards said it wasn't a pass? Yep. So, for those of you who weren't privy, um, Max Verstappen was sitting in fourth place behind the two Ferraris and decided on one of the final corners of the racetrack to jump across the track boundaries and pass uh, Kimi Raikkonen to grab third. And FIA said, uh, no, you don't. And they gave him five seconds, and that put him back to fourth, putting Ferrari second and third on the podium and launching Twitter into the 
you know, the war that it usually is whenever this happens. Yeah, okay. So here's my two cents on this. Dear FIA, like NASCAR, stop micromanaging everything. Yes. Sincerely, everybody, everybody. at this, <laughs> at least everybody at this round table. I'm sorry. This was one of the coolest things I have seen in open wheel racing in a long time. And he really didn't cut the corner by that much. He just sailed it in, and it happened to be below the little white line that's there in the corner, Tom. I loved this move. I loved that Max is young and gutsy, and he went for it, and he got it until it got taken from him. I swear that the FIA really just wants a parade sometimes. I, I just don't understand. And, and IndyCar can be the same way at times with this stuff. It, you know, you just... There used to be a day when brave men and the occasional brave woman got in a race car and went out and drove their hearts out and sometimes overdrove and cut a corner. But that's what you did when you wanted to win a race. Now, I just feel like these sanctioning bodies are so concerned with precision that you know you again you choke the life out of the racing because you're you're too busy trying to penalize people for everything which is it may not be what's exactly in their mind but that's the net result when you overmanage every little bit of a race yeah just and that's a just another bit. occasion of of that there was no reason for that kind of a penalty FIA should want more of that because that's what puts butts in the seats and you know, entices fans to watch your race. If it's just going to mm -hmm. be a train for all the for all the race, then you know you're going to have your diehards that that's what they want. But you're not going to get new fans that way. So Max is definitely a breath of fresh air, and and Formula One needs more of him, not less, and more of this, not less. Yep. Final nugget I'm going to make here, Cisco is the fact that not only has Lewis won at Circuit of the Americas in five of the six years that this race has been held at Circuit of the Americas, but when you count his Indianapolis victory in 07, he is now the winningest driver in Formula One history in the United States, surpassing Michael Schumacher's five U.S. Grand Prix wins at Indianapolis. How big a statement is that in a year when he's not only broken Michael's pole record, but... At the rate he's going, if he keeps racing, has a shot to put up stats that may rival Michael head-to-head -head in every category. And that speaks to the the preparation of that team, which, oh, by the way, uh, secured their fourth consecutive manufacturer's championship as well in Austin. So, you know, Lewis is an amazing driver in the series, but there's also a lot of credit to go to the Mercedes engineers who have... You know, I mean, they've dominated these last four years now. It's amazing. It's just, I mean, it, it's like the numbers we're seeing out of Truex. Just mind-bending numbers that you wouldn't think to see out of a competitive series, and yet here we are. Yeah. I think you can equate the numbers conversation, James, to the next series on the docket, your personal favorite, because... Roger Penske has kind of done a lot of that this season 
in the Virgin Australia Supercars Championship, of which we held the final endurance racing over the weekend. The Gold Coast 600, my personal favorite of the three, no disrespect to Bathurst, but I just love the Gold Coast. And, well, Ford loved the Gold Coast all weekend. Yeah, they were pretty good. They were pretty, 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 pretty good. Actually, no, they were very, very good. Because you had, I believe, Chaz Moster uh-huh. somehow. It was just like, yo, let me take over the last half of this race. And he did. Yeah. And they won. Yeah. He and did. And then Scott McLaughlin pretty much did the same exact thing. Except it was a little bit more entertaining because it all came through pit cycles that he was going heads up with teammate Fabian Coulthard and JB Wincup. So uh-huh. that's that that's a fun thing. And I think the weird thing about all of this is that even though you had Fords winning, you had Monster back on the podium, you had oh, that was what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven wins on the year for McLaughlin now. Yeah, so get this. I mean, but it's good because he's still 27 points back of Jamie Wincup, who got the lead because Scott had a miserable Saturday. Okay, James, so let's stop and consider that after how amazing the Fords have been this year and how not Jamie Wincup, Jamie Wincup has been and how, well, really not Triple Eight. Triple Eight has been all year. How is Jamie leading this championship right now? Like, seriously? Consistency. That's why he might not be the fastest guy, but those Fords have either won or they've had some pretty bad finishes. Yeah. Wind Cup's been immune to all of that. You think of, you know, I think of Bathurst. Except for Bathurst. Yeah, that's the only really terrible race he's had all year. Everything else has been sixth or better. Right, right. And... You've had fluky races like Bathurst where, you know, McLaughlin probably could have won the thing if his engine hadn't gone. And then this past weekend he finished 12th. And those those are the races that are keeping this points battle interesting, which is good for us. But it's got to be frustrating for the DJRTP guys because if we just counted, you know, like all but the worst five races, they'd be running away with this title. But it's the bad finishes that have kept Win Cup in this. And now... We've got basically three guys going heads up, and if Monster gets a little bit of luck, he's 126 points back in fourth. Yeah. He might even have a shot in this before it's all over. There's still points on the table. I think if I did my math right, there's still 600 points on the table, James. Uh, two, with two, I would say that's two about round right. weekends yeah. to go. So mm-hmm. yeah, two rounds to go. So oh man, oh man, it is definitely not over yet, and. What does it say, real quick, James, before we go to break? I want to ask this question on air. What does it say if somehow Jamie Wincup wins his seventh title after the Fords just obliterated everybody all year long? The next year the Fords are going to figure out how to be reliable and they may go Truex the year after. Okay. Yeah, I'll give you that. I mean, they're first, third, and fourth. uh, There's a reason why Wincup is the best of this generation. And that would be why, even even when he hasn't been at his best, he's still in with the shout at championship number seven. A la Jimmy Johnson-esque, so to speak. Cisco holds up his t-shirt. 
Yeah. Of course he yeah, does. Yeah, boom confetti. Of course he does. Yeah. You even got the one with the hashtag. Who gets the one with the hashtag? <laughs> Cisco. Cisco does. That's who. All right. We're going to step away. Performance picks on the other side. And once again, Cisco, you boom confettied the wrong way. Congratulations. I know. I actually won something for once. I mean, sorry, Austin, because I kind of jinxed him Friday. But apart from that, it wasn't bad. I got Truex winning and tip finish decent. So, I mean, it's better than Kyle Busch. It was better than Jamie Mack. So I'm not in the complete dumpster. Yeah, no, actually, (laughs) you didn't suck this weekend, which was a refreshing change. So, yeah, performance picks. When we come back, you're listening to Motorsports Madness and the white flag on PMN after this. How to be a great dad in 15 seconds. Bike ride, go fish, walk in the park, phone call, milkshake, play catch, picnic, fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh, talk, read a story, tell a story, bumper car, swing set, bowling, pillow fight, cut loose, stay tight. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes on Route 1 just north of Quantico in Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. How to deal with someone who says that's so gay. Outsmart them. This party is, like, so gay. Totally. Excuse me, but did you ladies know the word gay used to mean happy or excited? Then it became a word used to describe gay people. Then somehow it came to mean dumb or stupid, which is how you just used it, which is not very nice. Ew, that guy is on the football team and super smart, and he totally hates us now. Totally. When you say that's so gay, do you realize what you say? Knock it off. Learn more at thinkbeforeyouspeak.com. Modified driver Matt Hirschman, you're listening to Motorsports Madness on the Performance Motorsports Network. Welcome back to the Madness here on PMN. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, James Pike, Cisco Scaramuza with you for about, oh, 15 more minutes. And hey, Cisco, I hate to pop your bubble, but I'm going to pop your bubble. You know why? Oh, dear. Because I had William Byron and he finished fourth. And I also had Truex. <laughs> so. Okay, so you won, but I wasn't last, right? No, you weren't last. You were not last. 
<laughs> Step in the right direction. Yeah. I was, I was celebrating so hard I knocked my microphone off my desk, so there you go. <laughs> James, you had Kyle you were the one that had Kyle Bush last week, were you not? Kyle Bush and Elliot Sadler, which, which says is something that yeah. if I'm dead last and both drivers finish top ten. Yeah, that says how good all our picks were this weekend. So you get to tee off, sir. Who had McMurray? That was definitely not me. That was <laughs> me last week at Talladega. Yeah. Who had, uh, Tom, who'd you have? I had Truex. Yeah, he had. Uh, and no, Xfinity. Who had, who oh, he had Custer. Uh, are we uh, hold the phone back? James up is doing math. Custer, well, Custer finished nineteenth, yeah, but Custer also had right stage there. points. James Sadler didn't. You hate stage I'm, points. I was going to say goes, another reason why I don't like the whole stage idea. Anyway, well, overcomplicate. Yeah, but Tom but, still gets to go second. So, regardless, fine. I'm going to bore the daylights out of you because he owns <laughs> this bloody place in the trucks, Johnny Sauter, because he's still pissed off. And probably should have won had he not been caught out on the yellow cycle of pit stops at the end. Kyle Busch. Because he's really starting to learn how to love this place, Kyle Busch. Yeah. You get you got you got two picks for Cub. I'll take one, we'll see who takes the other. Yeah. All right, Tom, you're up. <sighs> well, you know, the truck race for oh, me. Oh, wait, James, sorry. I don't mean to cut Tom off, but I forgot we race F1 in Mexico this week. Lewis? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Give okay. me sombreros, and somebody find me a place that sells tortilla chips in Britain because I can tell you those things are impossible to find, and it's really annoying because I miss them and I want them. Oh. Okay, Tom, sorry not to interrupt, but I did forget we were racing in Mexico this weekend. Uh, well, I mean... If the FIA has anything to say about it, probably not. But um, Ouch. it'll be a train. Lewis Hamilton. Um, see, the truck race for me, I've been flipping a coin uh-huh. between and? two different drivers. And, and, you know, my mind is really telling me that we might just see a John Hunter Nemechek kind of day. You think John Hunter wins I, Martinsville to well, go to Homestead? I, see, I've been debating between him and uh, Justin Haley because I I feel like those two drivers are drivers that are going to really – this is a short track race, and I mm-hmm. Justin's been awfully fast, but um, I'm going to go with Justin Haley to win, actually, over wow. JHM, but I think John Hunter – I, I think both of them could wind up in the top five before this is over with. Wow. Okay, Cisco. So I was going to jump on the James Pike train of let's pick Johnny Sauter of Martinsville. I forgot Cup. Oh, but you, you know did? what? Oh, you forgot Cup. I Go forgot Tom. Cup. Sorry, Good Cisco. Job. We're, we're not doing uh, well with the order of our picks no. here. I got no, so caught up in the truck pick. Uh, cup pick for me. Um, well, you know what? It's time for Jimmy Johnson to uh, come out of the woodwork here. So let's go with Jimmy Johnson to win Martinsville. He did win this race to go to Homestead last year, and we all know what happened then. Okay, Cisco, let's fix it now. All right, so the truck race. Like I said, I was going to take the James Pike route, but you know what? I see someone on here that I like on a short track, and his name is Harrison Burton. Oh, wow. Okay. 
That's so flashy picks. Once again, we're back at it. You know, I had the nice, you know, safe pick in Kansas, but you know what? I like the 51. And I like the momentum he's on. So you know what? I'm going to take Harrison Burton. F1. Tom's right. It's going to be a train. It's going to be Lewis Hamilton. Next page. Cup. I mean, what do you expect me to pick? <laughs> I mean, we all. I, I mean, it's it's going to be the 48. It's going to be the 48. It just is. Okay, this is refreshing. I've not been able to pick last in quite a while. <laughs> I like it, actually. Uh, let's make it unanimous that Lewis Hamilton is going to win the Mexican Grand Prix for the second year in a row, just saying. For the truck race, I really can't believe that y'all left me the sexy pick here. I'm shocked, frankly. But... I'm going to take the guy who's so good on short tracks, he used a short track move on a mile and a half, and it worked. It wasn't in a truck, but it still worked, and it won him a race. He's got all the momentum right now. Chris Bell, come on, guys. You can do better than this. We left him for you. Thank you, because I think at the end of the day, it's going to be max points for me when it's all over, not to be overconfident, but you also left me the sexy pick for Sunday's race, and you know why? Because... He's already got the biggest advantage in the entire field thanks to winning the pole at Kansas. The number one pit stall at Martinsville is and always will be one of the biggest keys to winning this race at the paperclip. And because of that, I'm taking the 78 (laughs) to win on something other than a mile and a half and officially punch his ticket to Homestead Screw the playoff points. Just saying. Now, James, entry lists and things that are familiar to this show, you have two of them. Three of them, actually. I have three of them. I don't know if we know anything about that, but or about this, rather. But we'll see. If I throw, or start throwing out some names and seeing if stars, dots can align, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Also, interesting, I think, that nobody picked... Brad Keselowski to who win won this the race, race earlier in the who year. Won, who won the April race and has been one of the top two highest scoring drivers in this field, the other being Kyle Busch, in the last six races here. And that also goes for the last five, the last fourth, the last three, and the last two. They own this place right okay. now. Okay. So, okay. Very, very interesting. Anyway, your point that wasn't related to Brad. How about the number 111 on this entry list, which reads as follows Driver TBA, owner TBA, crew chief, Clinton Cram, sponsor Bojangles, and Fluidine High Performance. Now, not that it means anything. But it just so happens that a Dawson Cram turned runs 15. Bojangles and Fluidine at the summer shootout. And there's very much, most definitely, a family member there. I think Dawson's still under the age requirement, but that something tells me there's going to be something. There's going to be something in the future. He's. Well, wait a minute. I can't. I, I I had a conversation with someone before the show started about this. And 
yes, that's kind of an intent, but we'll have to see if it happens. Um, but yeah, the, the intent is for Dawson Cram to make a start at Martinsville in a truck, in a truck. But again, we'll see. We'll see if it happens. Of no, presume that would be contingent on approval from NASCAR. Um, Yeah, that I think would be something though. It is worth noting the very last thing, especially on his Facebook page is video of him Testing a late model at where else? Martinsville. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's a stubble rubber, if you ask me. Yeah, really. Interesting. Stubble rubber? I don't know. I Half the bit. stuff James says sometimes. <laughs> you know, he's he, he's across the pond now. He's picking up these new words. In the I day. said that yeah. when I was on that side of the pond. Okay. Thank you very much. I never heard. Fair it. enough. Okay. Do like... you not see it? Do you get it now? Lightning round. Big news earlier today. Stuart Haas Racing and Biagi Den Best Racing, the 98 team in Xfinity for those who go, huh? Who? Are combining forces. The double zero will remain to be driven by Cole Custer in 2018, where what's currently the 41 part-time SHR car becomes the 98 next year. Still driven by Kevin Harvick with Fields and Hunt Brothers and this pains me. Do you like the move or not? Because for me, Tom, this hurts my heart because for so long we've seen the 98, at least the last few years back, full-time on the Xfinity Tour, but I heard nothing that suggested that they were going to run more than a few races next year. And for some big names in this sport, that just, it breaks my heart. It really does. Um, I really don't know what to make of this because... The first thought that went through my mind is, okay, so we're going to get an Arik Almarola sighting over there, and maybe the the maybe the car is split between Arik and Kevin. So, the, you know, does Arik drive the 10 or the 41 or maybe none of the above? And, you know, I'm reading too much into it, but it just seemed rather coincidental. I don't know. I guess we'll have to see it. The the PR was actually very vague. All it said yeah. was the schedule for the car would be announced later, which would tell me that maybe there's more driver uh, sightings to come here. That's why you I thought about hope. Eric. So I don't know. We'll see. You would hope, but uh, it's it's interesting. I just I like the '98 being an independent because I always yeah. I always enjoyed seeing it run well against the big teams. Now it's kind of part of a big team, but yeah. in this day and age, it makes sense. James Cisco, any thoughts? I really don't. I'm kind of with Tom. I couldn't quite piece it together, and I was hoping that somebody here would have a little bit better insight than I do into what's going on here. But uh, I think, yeah, I think Tom's probably got the best idea that uh, they're partnering. Uh, I think the resource bit. I thought was interesting. Yeah. Though I don't think it says any more than kind of the obvious, but to see who takes more races in this car, because I'm not necessarily convinced that if you've got Hunt Brothers backing and you've got Fields backing, and I would imagine if they get the right person, wink, wink, Smith Fields is on there as well, that that might not end up being a full-time car with part-time drivers yet. I think that's still very much in the cards, depending on, 
who they get besides Harvick to run it. All I got to say is I hope so, because I would really hate not to see the 98 on track every week in the Xfinity Series. That's been a long-running team and a long-running car, but we've hit a checkered flag, which means we need to get the heck out of Dodge before Hunter yells at me for going over my time. So thanks to Mike Garrity, Megan Kolber, social media partners at Three Wide Life, as well as Bob Steele, Sue Mason, and all the staff at PMN for making this show possible and helping us to stay on the air every week. We'll be back next Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern for another round of Motorsports Madness. Until then, keep it off the wall. And if you're going to Martinsville this weekend, we might just see you at the racetrack, folks, till we meet again. You've been listening to Motorsports Madness with the Race Chaser Online crew. Stay tuned to Performance Motorsports Network for more race talk. For the latest motorsports news, visit racechaseronline.com. Motorsports Madness is a copyrighted production of the Performance Motorsports Network, www.performancemotorsportsnetwork.com. A member of the Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated and may not be rebroadcast, replicated, or saved in any media without the explicit written permission of PMN. Check out our Facebook page or our section in the PMN website. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host, co-hosts, and guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the management and ownership of either the Performance Motorsports Network or Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated, the advertisers, or the marketing partners. Be listening again next week when the madness returns on Monday night at 7 Eastern. Until then, keep it off the wall and keep the shiny side up.